0: episode eight we're coming to you today from columbus ohio the corporate headquarters of big lots (laughs) that store that has a little bit of everything and a lot of Nothing. I was going to say the next <laughs> word should be nothing. A little bit of everything right and a lot of nothing. 100%. Yep. And uh, I'm not sure what that has to do with our episode, but I just wanted to point that out to everyone. I'm Terry, Church Ministries leader for the Alliance.
1: I'm Alan, part of the Eastern PA district team. And I hope that what we have is a little bit of everything and a lot of everything. I like not Just that. not of nothing. Like That's for sure.
2: <laughs> and I'm Caitlin, equipping your producer.
0: And over in the corner is uh, Isaac, the silent listener to every conversation. <laughs> And uh, we're glad to have uh, Isaac on our team. And uh, today, Alan, we're going to talk to uh, some good friends from the Western PA District, Joel Repic and Steve Rossi. You've had some uh, interaction with their ministry. Uh, Tell us what's in your mind and heart as you think of these brothers.
1: I love these guys. Uh, It's been a joy to get to know them really relatively recently. In all all honesty, it's not that long. Um, But um, first exposure... uh, to, I'm not sure exactly when our first meeting was, uh, with, um, but it was a good thing. And I felt a connection with him right away. Um, love his love for lost people, his passion for Jesus. And then, uh, through Joel, uh, coming to our district with Steve, um, to help our district, uh, really become more open to the prophetic to recognize that it is the testimony of Jesus for the church and to propel us on his mission. Uh, just so appreciate these guys. So I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation. It's going
0: to be a good one. Yeah, I think it's an important reminder today to our Alliance family to live out what we say we believe. Yes, and that would uh, be nice. We uh, we say we believe in all of the gifts being active today, and, and uh, certainly that should include uh, the prophetic gifts, mm-hmm. and uh, those are a part of what the Spirit of God wants to do in us as He leads us and empowers us in uh, carrying out Uh, his mission for the church so excited to talk to these guys so uh, grab yourself a an eagle's wind coffee from Sealand's grove oh that's fantastic
1: best donuts in eastern pa that i have found
0: uh yeah get a donut (laughs) while you're there yes absolutely uh, that comes from (laughs) ca yeah good
1: friend of mine church planner in eastern pa uh,
0: a uh, avid equipping you podcast listener which makes him a good guy i think yeah, so that grab qualifies yourself you for sure that coffee and donut from eagles wind sit back relax here we go okay. so it's our privilege to welcome uh, joel repic and steve rossi to equipping you podcast today thanks for being here guys yeah
3: we're glad to be here thank you
0: appreciate you making the drive over from uh Western PA. So, hey, we love to get to know our guests and allow our um, listeners to get to know our guests. So, can each of you kind of give a snapshot of your spiritual journey from uh, coming to know Jesus until this very day?
3: Yeah, for sure. So, This is Joel, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I came to know Jesus at a really young age, and he really had my heart at a young age. I think the, the first time I really experienced the filling of the spirit. I was 13 or 14 years old. Um, So I, you know, became pretty zealous for evangelism young, Um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, trying to share the gospel with my friends on the bus. And I also felt, uh, you know, in my life to vocational ministry young. And I think um, by the time I was in high school, I knew that uh, it would probably be, you know, among the poor somehow. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my life head in that direction went to Tacoa Falls College. Amen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, what I never anticipated was that I would end up back in Western Pennsylvania, yeah. um, much less Aliquippa. So I actually live in the neighborhood now where my great grandparents lived when the steel mill was open in, in our community. So didn't expect that. And there's a a whole story about how, you know, God led us there, but I've been there since. So, um, I'm the, you know, church multiplication director for our district. Um, and I'm still currently the lead pastor of the gospel tabernacle. So, yeah. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, and I too came to Jesus at a young age, grew up in uh, the church, and I was very serious about my walk with Jesus, Um, but um, I was also angry, and um, the Lord was doing uh, a work in me to reveal brokenness and unforgiveness in time. Um, I would say um, through my 20s, um, I had a kind of orphaned heart, uh, I might describe it as, and um, in that time, uh, the Lord was bringing healing. In my early 30s, uh, he began to quiet me with his love and things began, addictive patterns, things like that began to fall off of me uh, until um, about a year after that, uh, Jesus met me. He encountered me in a dream, a um, you know, white light face uh, as others have Described him. Um, he did have street clothes, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, but the face was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my wife is like, that was Jesus, you know, because I'm like trying to t- <laughs> tell her, it's like this happened to me, and I was weeping when I woke up, and I don't know what all oh, means. She's, That's yeah. Jesus. Um, so, uh, but anyhow, um, there were things that um, you know I've never gone back to in terms of my doubt of God's love for me mm. from that place, uh, and I would say. Uh, over the next years, um, peers like Joel, who I look to, as well as um, fathers in the faith, mentors, and God directly, had showed a kind of has shown me a kind of um, prophetic calling on my life. That uh, you know I was maybe called to equip people in the prophetic, and I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but. Yeah. But um, what that's meant for me is uh, in ministry today, uh, to wrap this, this part up, um, would be that I'm, you know, uh, equipping people in prayer and prophetic ministry and part of a team of raising up leaders, both locally and regionally, um, that, that, that Joel's leading. So
1: yep. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Uh, in Eastern PA, we've been blessed to have both of you guys uh, serving yeah. in our district. Uh, you both are you're a great team. The two of you together, I love it, uh, what <laughs> you bring and uh, and, and the sensitivity to the Lord that you bring. Uh, Steve, I love that phrase right in the middle of what you were describing about how the Lord quieted you with his love. Oh, man, that is rich right there. That's mm-hmm. some good psalm language, and that means a lot to me. Steve, let's start with you this time. We love to ask our guests, like, who has influenced them as a leader? You kind of gave some respect there a little bit to Joel as a helpful to you, line of line, but who else has influenced you along your journey?
2: Yeah. Um, so I would say, uh, Jim Eaton, who, uh, pastored with Joel, by the way, I'm a pastor at the gospel tabernacle yeah. now. Um, uh, I didn't mention that, but, uh, under Joel's leadership, but, uh, Jim who pastored, uh, with Joel, he really led me in character formation as well as the prophetic. Um, and he connected us to, uh, the college of prayer. I know you guys, um, were talking with them as well on another episode, but, um, yeah, and so those uh, some of those leaders at the College of Prayer are good friends of ours now, and nice. have been mentors and coaches to us in uh, prayer. Um, and uh, I would also say uh, the group of leaders who started Launch in the Northeast—they've right. um, been uh, formative for us in our discipleship I'm in terms for of those guys. Yeah, me too. And in uh-huh. terms of just holistic mission, um, and so there's nothing like life on life impartation. Right. Yeah, so from right. Joel to Jim to the College of Prayer and Launch.
1: Joel, about you, who's been influential in your life?
2: Yeah. So,
3: you know, one person I have to mention is my mom. Uh, Definitely experienced some hard things, um, you know, growing up and in early adulthood. And uh, two things in my mom's journey that were very true was compassion for people on the margins. And also just like this simple childlike faith in the work and activity of the Holy Spirit. And I think those were, you know, two things, you know, that I took with me. But beyond her, and I have so many mentors, and I've just been so blessed, you know, to be impacted, you know, by so many people. Um, but uh there have kind of been two groups of people. There's been this whole group of folks that I had that were mentors in urban ministry. And compassion for the poor and people on the margins. I learned so much from them, just really ordinary people, you know, doing it in neighborhoods that, you know, had been left behind, but just seeing Jesus, you know, in their lives as, as they lived in mutuality, you know, with communities experiencing poverty. Yeah. Um, But then there's a whole other group of people that. I really learned about the things of the spirit from and prayer. I came into a lot of my own healing journey in those environments. Um, You know, Steve mentioned the college of prayer. That was one of those environments for me as well. I've often remarked that in those groups of mentors, I didn't always see intersection between those two groups Mm -hmm. of mentors. You know, the folks who were kind of on the ground Doing justice work and serving the poor were more activist types, and then you know I'd spend time around people who you know were spending a lot of time prayer and fasting. But I think those two streams have really come together, you know, in in my life and you know in the ministry of our church. We yeah. wanted to see just a robust expression of both of those. things. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. So,
1: and from yeah. what I've seen, and talking to you guys, and actually visiting one time with you now like yeah, what you want to see is definitely coming together for sure in a beautiful way.
0: Yeah, So absolutely. So, Joel, we we invited you and Steve to be on the podcast uh, because the gift of prophecy has been key to your, a key to your church, right. engaging in the mission of Jesus there in Aliquippa. So, start with you. How did you end up walking down this road with the prophetic? And then, Steve, as a follow-up to that, we're going to ask you, when did you join this journey and what was it like for you?
3: Yeah, so... For me, the story is really wrapped up in our engagement of mission in our community. So I have to be honest, I left Bible college pretty skeptical of many of the things that we're going to be talking about today, just for a number of reasons. Some folks who had been influential in my life at the time had maybe just really made me feel overly cautious, you know, surrounding some of these things. So that was my starting point in ministry when I got on the ground, but my wife and I uh, moved on to a drug and prostitution corner in our city. And there was all this activity happening in front of our house. A handful of friends from Tacoa followed us and moved into the community. And right away, we just started to have these intense experiences. You know, one night someone knocks on our door uh, I was a teenager whose mom, you know, was addicted to drugs. He's covered in blood because mm-hmm. he had gotten into an altercation with a guy in his house. So he comes into the house. Chelsea's cleaning him up, and this is kind of the very beginning of ministry for us. That guy ended up living with us for a while, and we just lived in this place where there's just incredible brokenness in front of us, and I just became aware really, really quickly that I was really lacking in power. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just something missing, particularly when I read my Bible. For me and some and my wife and some of the first few friends, you know, from college, I, I think we just realized there was too much distance between our Bibles and what we were experiencing in mm-hmm. ministry. It just did not feel the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we're reading mm-hmm. the gospels in the book of Acts and it's like, this is not what we're experiencing. <laughs> you know? and So, um, so we were just weighing over our heads in mission and it, it did create a different kind of desperation in us in prayer that put us in a season where we were just gathering in each other's houses and just saying, Jesus, if this is you, we want it, you know, if we see it in the scriptures, we want it. Um, we want what you're giving and, and quite frankly, we're desperate for it because we're so over our heads. So yeah, yeah, there was this night I'll never forget where we sat in the living room and we kind of, cause we had all, me and my friends, maybe we were all a little bit skeptical and we looked at each other and we said, we don't completely know what we're getting into, but we just need to create a safe environment where we can try some things and be in community together take risks to do the things that we see in the scriptures and we'll just see you know what happens and the rest is history Mm -hmm.
2: yeah around 2006 joe asked me to come and prayer walk in the community in aliquippa and um and so we began prayer walking and the public housing community primarily and um it was there that i mentioned briefly my healing journey it was there that i really like the lord was exposing stereotypes in me and mm-hmm. um you know and 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 doing a healing through the community and so to what joel said um one of the things that that happened was you know as we as we desired that the power of Jesus and to become less distant from scripture and what we saw there is that we were we were on mission and we were hungry for healing and for hearing Jesus related to particular relationships we were in. I mean, these are people we had mutuality with now and we were friends with, and there was high need and um, for God to break through. And so um, in that journey of uh, finding safe places to explore this, as Joel mentioned, um, he gave me a book called Power Evangelism by John Wimber. And I was Really excited by that book and unsatisfied by that book because you know I saw how God still moves today in in healing and in hearing Him through His ministry rooted in His love. Um, but um, I was unsatisfied by that distance that we yeah. saw. So anyhow, um, we began to go to shopping malls and mm-hmm. practice hearing God. Wow. Um, we practiced praying for the sick, where we saw someone in a cast or whatever, or in and we were doing this in our community too, as I mentioned. And so, you know, we failed at that plenty and we also saw a lot of uh, sick people not get healed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet we also started to see people encounter Jesus through things like revelatory gifts, encounter Jesus through his healing power mm-hmm. to their bodies yeah, and to their sure. souls yeah. Yeah. and so that only made us more hungry mm-hmm. um, as we journeyed it was also super uncomfortable
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah well yeah. that's uh, that's why you were asking uh jesus to guide you because you really wanted if it was him right that's so right. that's a beautiful thing and right. you know to be honest most of us if we're totally honest are afraid to take those steps so i want to you know commend you guys for being willing to take those risks and uh you know we already mentioned You already mentioned Tacoa Falls grad, with which, of course, Terry is supremely (laughs) proud of you for that. (laughs) (laughs) So so knowing the tradition and heritage of Tacoa Falls, we know that uh, graduating from there, that making sure that you're staying rooted in Scripture was really important to you. So tell us uh, how that came together. You're experimenting, wanting what Jesus is talking about in Scripture uh, to be real in your life, but noting that it is in scripture, you know, not that's just right. wanting some weird experience that is against scripture.
3: That's right. Can you
1: help us understand your journey in that? Because that, that's a really important alliance because we value both that's the right. spirit and the word.
3: That's right. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of my experience at Tacoa, I would say the biggest thing Tacoa imparted in me, you know, was this love for the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I carry that you know, with me to this day. And, um, and so that, that was really important to me early on, you know, and it still is, but I look back and I I did start to see some of this dissatisfaction between my experience and, and the scriptures developing, even towards the end of Toccoa, you know, like I had a book of acts class with Julio Vena and um, and I just remember thinking like, and whatever I've experienced in ministry is not what's being described here, yeah. you know? And so that dissatisfaction was starting to grow, even if yeah. I yeah. hit the ground a little bit, you know, skeptical. But, you know, in terms of like the prophetic and mission, you know, a passage that that we've often reflected on over the years is Acts 13 and the sending of Paul and Barnabas from the church in Antioch. And, you know, it's really interesting because the leaders that are mentioned in that passage who are gathering together, worshiping and fasting, and in that environment, the Lord spoke, and it says that they were teachers and prophets. So, you know, there were teachers, you know, people with particular, you know, gifting to open up the scriptures to Mm -hmm. the people Mm -hmm. of God Mm -hmm. and then to hear the voice of God in the written word of God. Uh, but there were also prophets, you know, people with particular giftings to understand, you know, what the Spirit is saying through, you know, Steve already used this term, revelatory gifts, you know, the kinds of things that that we might see in First Corinthians twelve, you know, for instance, the manifestation gifts, you know, that are listed there. Mm-hmm. So I've often wondered as I look at that passage, like, how did this actually play out? Like, I, you know, because it says the Holy Spirit said to them, set mm-hmm. apart for me. Yeah. So you know, God could have spoken audibly you know, to them. I mean, why not? God can do anything and maybe they all heard some voice and you know, they were sent out, but I'm inclined to think that between, you know, a, a time of prayer and worship that was saturated in the word of God, you know, where teachers are, you know, bringing forth scriptures that are relevant to what God is doing in them and and they're submitting to those scriptures. And then, um, you know, the kinds of gifts that are in first Corinthians 12, Manifesting in that environment, you know, words of prophecy. And, you know, I think somehow in the mix of all of that, the consensus of the group was, oh, God's setting apart Paul and Barnabas. We need to lay hands on them, you know, and send yeah. yeah. them out. So you kind of just see this seamless thing mm-hmm. between the scriptures and the prophetic. And I think if we feel any like bifurcation between those things that has more to do with church history and mm-hmm. our divisions and, you know, revival totally agree, history, yeah. all that, yeah. all that kind of stuff and less to do with what the word of yeah. God presents. I mean, yeah. this is, this is God's own spirit manifesting through these gifts. And he inspired the same word that we love and value yeah. and submit to. So he's not going to contradict himself in right. that. Like this should be sure. a seamless picture. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: So Steve, how has the prophetic equipped and empowered you and the church in general equip a gospel tabernacle for pursuing the mission of Jesus?
2: So, you know, I talked about uh, Joel and his leadership in my life. One of the ways that that played out, practically speaking, was he empowered and released me to be the pastor of prayer mobilization at our church. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so what that included was developing an intercessory prayer team and, Teaching people how to pray for people, equipping people uh, to hear God and how He might speak and things like that. Uh, one of the one of the practical ways that I do that is I, uh, I gather uh, folks who are hungry and where I see grace for hearing God, and uh, we do um, prophetic huddles. And in these prophetic huddles, it's kind of like a just a ten week curriculum um, that I've developed over time, largely just by pulling resources together from which I've learned. <laughs> Uh, and leading people in that and, um, and then doing ministry together. But then also, you know, training people to pray together in a corporate prayer environment is a big deal. So um, we have what we call upper room once a month uh, where, and the college of prayer has uh, been very formative for us in this, where we are praying out of the love of God and the character of God, his name's, And cultivating faith from which then we're praying the kingdom, you know, and mission um, and uh, through intercession, you know, and so praying from this place of hearing God and what he's telling us to pray, uh, much like the context that Joel referenced in Acts 13, um, is what we are practicing. And I use that word practicing. That's important, right? Because it doesn't mean we always get it right, right, but we do hear God better together. And so having a framework like the College of Prayer gives us, which is the Lord's prayer pattern and praying from that is is super helpful in equipping our people. You know, transformation can happen in the prayer room mm-hmm. um, and people who are transformed want to give away what they've been given yes. of the kingdom. percent right. agree with that. And so they're ready to go. They're hungry to go out on mission. And that's how the prayer room relates to mission. Right. It's that interaction, that interplay between prayer and mission mm-hmm. is that. um true prayer where we know we're loved we know God's faithful and he wants to do these things and we're aligning with truth in terms of our personal sanctification in terms of the mission of Christ you know that is what we are hoping to equip our people in and what we've been practicing over yeah, the years great. yeah
1: so Steve mm-hmm. uh, in light of the fact that you're heading up this prayer and prophetic culture that you're seeking to continue to develop uh, at Gospel tabernacle mm-hmm. um, when we start talking about this stuff some people just get nervous. You know, so, uh, but I know that you have done this in a healthy way there and you're certainly not perfect. You know, you've made mistakes, you've sure. guys tested like that, mm-hmm. but how could you encourage our listeners to start pursuing this in a way that is a healthy way?
2: Yeah. I mean, the first thing, and Joel referenced the scriptures, uh, I want to go to the word of God first because, you know, in first Corinthians 14, uh, you know, Paul says to eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that we would prophesy.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so he's like commanding us there to, you know, the, the translation. One of them is that that we'd be boiling over mm-hmm. with excitement or wow. desire. Wow. Um, and picture. so admittedly, yeah. like, I don't think I desire prophecy like I should a lot of the time. <laughs> but anyhow, he's saying eagerly desire that you might prophesy. To strengthen, encourage, and comfort the church. The motivation of prophecy should be love. The purpose of prophecy should be to strengthen, encourage, and comfort the church. Therefore, you know, that's what prophecy should be in any revelatory gift should be rooted in, right? And so not only should we not shy away from, uh, or, you know, not only should we not be afraid of prophecy, but We're commanded to exercise this and for purposeful reasons towards the advancement of Christ's kingdom. And so I would just say, uh, secondly, and lastly, um, a culture developing, uh, therefore, out of that biblical framework, a culture of humility and submission. Mm. And so by that, um, I just mean, um, you know, we see in part and prophesy in part, the Bible says. So can we be humble enough in both our delivery and our um pursuit of this together as a community or a culture of faith um to realize like we might get this wrong but it doesn't mean we shut it down yeah, you know right. it also doesn't mean um that we just trust in it wholesale um thinking that this is this is the end all be all no we judge it against scripture so when i think about that's the humility part right we realize we could be getting this wrong um the submission part to me is twofold we submit to the scriptures. Yeah. Every word, any prophetic word, um, we judge it against the Bible. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, and so uh also we submit to one another in it. You know, people, you know, the Bible says to cling to not hold prophecy with contempt, but to cling to what is good. Mm-hmm. And so we mm. p- two or three people test it. If I'm gonna get up and prophesy in a public gathering, then you know, um, I should be held accountable. So we want to create that in our our culture too. Mm-hmm. And so we have practical ways that we do that, like in our biggest gatherings on a Sunday morning, for instance, uh, just to to continue to create a healthy culture. But I would say that even within that, you know, everyone has the opportunity to prophesy, whether it's giving us a word that will discern how to use in a in a large gathering, or um,
0: or otherwise. So,
1: yeah, that's great stuff. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Love that emphasis on the word and humility and submission.
0: So I think uh, it'd be helpful to our listeners if you kind of give us some stories where the prophetic connected with the church on mission. So love love to hear some of those stories, guys.
3: Yeah, um, I'll start with a with a local one. Um, we were this is a few years ago, but we were in one of those upper room prayer gatherings that Steve referenced. And, um, you know, sometimes when we start talking about prophecy, it can sound like so sensational, but it's really interesting. Once this starts playing out, like on the ground, it actually feels really relaxed many times and quite natural. Um, especially in the context, I think of loving relationships, you know, it's just kind of how we exist together. So anyway, we're, we're in this prayer gathering together and only recently in our community have, um, you know, Spanish-speaking people started to move into you know some of our neighborhoods. This is kind of recently new, and we're excited about that. So we were praying into this. You know, again, we we often don't like plan what we're going to be praying for on those meetings, but we were led in this direction. So we're praying for Spanish-speaking people that are moving into our region and. The room is hit with just this compassion. Like there's this weeping happening in the room for people that we haven't even met yet, you know. And I would say, like, even that happening, there's something prophetic in that. We're catching something of God's direction or his heart or his compassion, you know, for people who are who are moving into the area. And so it was just this like really beautiful but tearful, you know, time of prayer. Well, at the end of that, one person in the room said, I think we should all keep eating at this mexican restaurant we have one mexican restaurant in albuquerque we should all keep eating at this at this restaurant and we should leave big tips you know for the waiter now again i'm sharing this story because that doesn't sound like incredibly like revelatory but thinking back to acts 13 and how they discerned the next step you know, to send Paul Barnabas out. I just think there's something prophetic happening. In that to me, that's actually a word of wisdom. To use the language in you know First Corinthians, it's like here's here's the next right step. You know, yep. this is the wisdom of yeah. God. You know, yeah. for for what he's doing right now. So anyway, we walked out of there with really specific things. You know, for what we should do. We all started eating at this restaurant. Long story short, we befriended a waiter there uh, who was actually in a house. Because living alone, because um, he was paying off a debt. His parents still lived in Mexico. He was paying off a debt to the restaurant owner <laughs> um, by working at this restaurant. I'll even completely know the situation. But long story short, through just an extraordinary set of events, within a few weeks, he came to faith in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Uh, there was an extraordinary deliverance that happened mm. following that. He had family that was involved, you know, and in in different parts of the occult, got free from that, baptized that baptism at the Gospel Tabernacle was a total party. Yeah, uh, awesome. it's just amazing.
1: So, every baptism should be. Yeah, good, that sounds like <laughs> no, an extra big one.
3: That's right. That's right. And um ended up in Mexico. And uh the last time I saw him, I visited him at the YWAM site where he is serving. You know to to just, you know, check in on him. I went to Mexico just to see him, you know, for a few days, a few years ago. But all, but all that to say, all of that came out of this prayer gathering. Yep. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. God, God was, yeah yeah you know, reaching out to him. Yeah. And there's just something in the prophetic
2: that leads us, you know, yeah, to that kind of individual.
1: Man. What you got, Steve?
2: Yeah. So I want to start with a bad word of knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. our, our listeners may know, may not know some listeners that is, uh, that a word of knowledge is just a fact Revealed by God to you about someone you couldn't have otherwise known. Right, and so I, I share. I took a risk on a Sunday morning, and uh, I shared uh, what I thought to be a word of knowledge, and nobody in the room responded. You know, when I asked mm. uh, who this might relate to or if they knew anyone that might, yeah. <laughs> and so, in reflecting on it, of course, it was uncomfortable, and it wasn't what I hoped for. Um, but what it demonstrated was, uh, well, first of all, it cultivated in me humility, right? Because I failed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, secondly, it demonstrated that obedience is success. Hey, I'm just practicing here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't know that I would get it right. And, and here we are. Um, but I felt like Jesus wanted me to do this. Mm-hmm. So it modeled that and I was able to speak to that to our people. And lastly, it shows I'm not exceptional as a leader or mm-hmm. pastor. Yeah. And so I think all of those things are modeled, even when it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Right, and so we don't need to fear the prophetic. Um, but then the the last one I that want never to... happens to me, by the way.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I always look sophisticated and successful. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit speaking yeah. through me, Joel, Joel sends
2: me up so that the church becomes but, more humble. But the church has really <laughs> <and> <laughs> learned through Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so Humility man, through failure. Um, yeah. Oh, so I had a really cool experience that we're kind of in the middle of still presently right now, this word. So I'll end with this. But so, you know, years ago I was seeing the number two sets of the number two everywhere, two, 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 22, And finally, after about six months, I asked a mentor what they thought this could mean. Um, and right away they said, oh, that's Isaiah 2222. And Isaiah 22, tw- and I didn't have the faith that she had. Um, for that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, um, you know, how can you, you know, how do we know that and kind of thing. But anyway, she said, um, you know, that that Bible verse is whatever you open won't be shut and whatever you shut won't be open. And it's referring to God given authority to man. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, six days later, uh, my friend posted that they had a baby Isaiah at two twenty-two 22 a.m. And so I felt like God was speaking, and that the interpretation was right. I still didn't know how to apply it or what it meant for my life at the time. But fast forward to this year, okay? That was a few years ago. This year, on February twenty second, two twenty two, I saw on a, uh, a news app an owl knock an eagle out of its nest. Now you guys know an eagle can represent the ruler of uh, like the ruler of the air, like a lion in the jungle kind of thing. And so. I didn't think anything of it spiritually. Uh, You know, I showed my kids. We thought it was awesome. We were on vacation. An hour later, we go to a conservation where there's an eagle in an enclosed area and then an owl. First thing we saw. And I just thought, God, are you speaking to me about the eagle and the owl? I hadn't thought about the date. I wasn't thinking much about, you know, I only thought about that after. Anyhow, I had reached out to some friends about it. And one friend said immediately, all week, I've been meditating on Daniel 2.22 where God has given Daniel Nebuchadnezzar's dream and its interpretation. And I often have spiritual dreams. And so um, I felt like the direction from the Lord was to pray for dreams in our faith community uh, on Sunday morning. And so I released... Dream activity in the name of Jesus. I just, you know, just imparted that and prayed that God would do that. If I can point out, you didn't share
3: all that background with the church. Nope. You just, it would have been fine to, but you just prayed for dreams. Yeah. Yes,
2: right. So I didn't share this whole story, right? I just did that. Um, well, um, sure enough, the months following, there have been a lot of people having dreams and the dream, the mess. And, and by the way, so the owl. In the reason I, I connected dreams to the like her interpretation, her interpretation from Daniel two twenty two, and the owl sees at night. Um, mm-hmm. This owl knocked the eagle out at night, uh, and 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 God was giving the authority for the His message through dream life in this next season was really what where I, that came from for me. Sure enough, people were having dreams, but these dreams had messages with purpose, right? This wasn't just God speaking through dreams with no purpose. Uh, so these these dreams had consistent messaging about what God was doing in and through the life of our church. And it had to do with the harvest and right. it had to do with mission, you know, so God's heart was behind this. It wasn't just, I want to do these. I want to speak to you in strange, supernatural ways. And that's it. No, there's purpose behind it. And it's his heart yeah, and it's yeah, advancing his kingdom, right? Themselves. Right. Yeah.
3: And it's not just this look at us or whatever. It's like God's God's revealing to us how we can join him.
2: Yes. And so um, I would say in closing that you still wonder, like you know, I saw in part. Right. Like, was that even right? I still admit I wasn't sure I was acting in faith when I did all that. But the Lord confirmed it in a 24 hour period when um, he showed me that an eaglet was hit by a car in Pittsburgh, a giant eagle sign, a, lo- a regional Grocery store in our region, um, a giant eagle sign was being taken down, and lastly, um, I was at a friend's house and I looked across the room and he had a bottle of Eagle Rare if I can say that on your podcast. <laughs> and as I looked at it, he said, "Owls are vicious." <laughs> this was in a 24-hour time period. Wow. wow. And a couple months ago, and and it was at that time that I realized. I mean, he was talking about like hunting, but I knew Jesus was talking about confirmation of the word. And so yeah, wow.
1: That's an elaborate story. (laughs) uh, Tried to say it quick, Alan. No, no. It's like, you know, that God cares about those details is uh, pretty, pretty amazing. You know what I mean? To get that and to know and to meet you in your hesitancy instead of jumping out and saying, oh, this lady says Isaiah 22, 22. And now, okay, here we go. That's right. But you keep waiting on the Lord to confirm that so that you're not getting ahead of the Lord or making it about the prophecy itself.
3: That's Right.
1: I love all that's an example of the humility mm-hmm. and submissiveness that yeah, you mentioned right. earlier. So.
3: And the effect of it, by the way, you know, we're not, we're not hesitant sharing these kinds right. of stories in our, in our church. Cause we talk about these things, but the net effect for the person, the average person who's coming or the new person from the community that comes, isn't all of that. It's mission in the community. Like that's what they're going to feel, you know? <laughs> like
0: So if uh, someone wants to get started, in this whole area of the prophetic gift of prophecy, how it connects with mission, a couple first steps you would recommend?
3: Find an owl's nest. No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> get an owl or uh, That's, a, yeah. hey, That's went off the rails. Rail. No, no, no,
3: no. no, no <laughs> That's no. the point of the story. No, um, <laughs> no. Actually, actually, it's it's far, it's far simpler and less weird than that. Um, you know, I look back to the beginning of our story. It started with a handful of people who were reading their Bibles and were like the early church lived in the experience of God's voice mm-hmm. that yep. led them to mission in the scriptures and in the prophetic. Yes. And we just wanted that for ourselves. And I think it's our inheritance. Like this is what Jesus gives you mm. know, to his church. And so you know, I look back at, at those early prayer gatherings. They're just so precious to me, you know, looking back. And we were just, you know, asking God to do things that we hadn't seen before. And so, honestly, that would be the starting place it, to me. It's just find a couple hungry people, you know, and just begin, you know, to pray. And, and so I think that's the starting place. I think the second place is, and maybe it's with those same hungry people, but just somehow find the space to not only begin to hear what God might be saying prophetically, but to share it with other people. Cause that's really the risk. Like, you know, I, I was kind of joking about earlier, but we often, you know, and I think sometimes this is an issue for us in the Alliance. Like we really want the Holy spirit to work, but only if it's seamless and, it's so obviously him that you know, like, and yeah. it's just like God is interacting with us, and we're a mess, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> wow. and so, and God is pleased. That's actually yeah. some of the, like the the joyful mystery of what yeah. the Pentecost was. God's pouring His Spirit on human flesh. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, yeah. He would make us the objects of that. Yeah. Well. Wow. But but you know that. Right. That's you know it means there's going to be a process in growing and learning and making mistakes and having to mm-hmm. apologize, and all of those things. And if we can just have communities, you know, that can provide that for people. As a matter of fact, I think we do for other gifts. Like when we recognize that, you know, someone might have a teaching or a preaching gift, what do we do? We we don't expect that the Spirit of God is just. This could happen, and maybe it does sometimes. I'm sure it does, but generally speaking, we don't expect that that gifting is going to seize the person and they're going to almost uncontrollably preach Mm -hmm. a flawless sermon. Instead we say, no, God's pouring his spirit on this very human person Mm -hmm. and they need space to practice, to experiment, Mm -hmm. to try things, to Mm -hmm. learn how to Mm -hmm. steward this grace, you know, that's, that's being given in their life. So I think we can do the same thing with the prophetic and Steve mentioned it briefly, but, a huge part of our journey was going to this shopping mall, super uncomfortable. I'm not saying this is what you have to, you know, what other people have to yeah. do. It was super uncomfortable. But the, the the best part in that for me wasn't the, with the healings we saw. It, it was just on the way to the mall, it, taking the risk to say to each other, hey, I think God might have said this to me. I think God showed me this picture. I think God is speaking this verse to me. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Like that just formed... Something in us in humility and relationship that I just really treasure. Yeah, that's good stuff.
0: I appreciate that. Joel and Steve, thanks. Good stuff. And uh, appreciate the way you're walking in the spirit, moving in the spirit, listening to the spirit, and uh, the way that's impacting the ministry that you're carrying out there in uh, Aliquippa. And uh, I pray that what is happening there will be contagious and uh, spread out across. our alliance movement. Amen. So thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the risk. Yeah. Thank you. So, Alan, a couple of things that struck me as uh, Joel and Steve were talking to us today. Uh, one that keeps coming back to me over and over and over again God does not care about my comfort zone. <laughs> uh, That's you know, a true statement. He is seeking to get his mission accomplished. And at times that's going to put us in places where we feel uncomfortable and that's all right. In our discomfort, we depend on the spirit and it's the spirit who works through us to accomplish the work of Christ. Second thing uh, I'm reminded of is the context in which we do ministry today. And so sometimes I think we look at ages past and say, Oh, that prophetic was good for that or someplace else. Oh, the prophetic was good for that. And we somehow don't see it as being for now In the place where we're uh, serving the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that simply isn't true. And I think that is underlined for us by the context in which we are doing ministry today. Uh, In in an increasingly uh, unchurched population, disbelief in uh, truth in general, and certainly disbelief in the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. And we need some spirit-wrought, supernatural manifestation to draw the ears, minds, and hearts of people to listen and be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, preaching in the outro. Way to go. Yeah, sorry. Good job. Way to bring it. No, no
1: apologies, man. I appreciate you bringing that. We do need that. We are hesitant. I've been hesitant. I'm not going to lie, you know, and I I think uh, Joel and Steve are good examples uh, by their own testimony not that I've necessarily per- personally witnessed by their own testimony though that Christ's power is perfected in our weakness. You know, they went there because they weren't, didn't have what they felt they needed and that they just said, Jesus, you got to show up and you got to do something that you said you do and we're not seeing and they didn't have any power to produce it, but the Holy Spirit produced it among them and it still is. And I appreciate that they are still learners in this, you know, uh, humility and submission. I just love how that guides them. And that's actually two words that I would describe both of you guys so it's, very, it's been a very encouraging
0: episode to me. Amen so church leaders it'd be a great episode to sit and listen to together and open the scriptures and search the scriptures and see what the Lord might say to you about the prophetic in your uh, ministry context next time uh, on uh, Equipping You podcast we'll be talking to Kim Valenzuela about the peak survey that can help your church be all that God wants it to be. So we hope you'll join us again. We appreciate you listening. It is going to be a good one. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.